and take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 37. Well, we're getting down to the end of the school year, and let me just give this, and I know uh, we have some parents here and grandparents as well. My, my dad uh, led my mother's dad to the Lord uh, all, a few years before he, he passed away, a good, good 10, 15 years before he passed away at least. As a matter of fact, uh, he had witnessed to him before, but uh, all the family had claimed to be Christians and all of that, and they would uh, go up there and they'd say something to him, but not really witness to him. And and what was interesting is that Dad, uh, they had asked him, said, "Would you really try to talk to him?" said, okay, but I want all of y'all out of the house. You go somewhere. I don't care where you go, but you get out of here and go, and I'm going to talk to him. He sat down, went through the plan of salvation with, uh, with him, and, and he asked the Lord to save his soul. But after it was over, Dad said, now, look, because you follow up, you need to follow in baptism, but he says, get in church. Get in the Bible. Get into church. Be faithful to church. He says, that's my problem. He says, what, what is it? He says, all these kids have been after me, telling me I need to be saved. They come here and they don't go to church. I don't want what they got. But he says, at least you, every time you've come up here, every time you visit, Sunday rolls around, doesn't matter what's going on, you're in church. Wednesday night rolls around, you're in church. And I remember that as a kid growing up. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we was in church even if we were out of town. Didn't even know the church. We were in church. And the reason I say that is, is that that is a testimony to your children. And it tells them whether it's actually important to obey the Lord in this thing. It, it, it really is. So don't ever take a vacation from the Lord Jesus Christ. Just say, well, hey, we're out of town now. We don't have to be in church. Okay. God doesn't have to protect you on the interstate. Somebody going down the wrong way, side of the road, 80 mile an hour, hey, he can just make sure you don't see him. Oh, that wouldn't be right. If you can take off in him, he can take off in you. Now, look, have a testimony to your relatives. Have a testimony to your family. Have a testimony. Be faithful. Find a church. Look, uh, I used to say look in the yellow pages of wherever you go. Now we just say get on there, Google, say I'm in this city. I want to find an independent Baptist church and uh, make sure it's King James and not rock and roll, okay? And look it up and go. Go there. And, and uh be a part of, be faithful, be faithful. It's a good thing to do, all right? And uh, we have made that a practice uh, in, in our time. It's uh, been out of town. Sometimes we've uh, went to church we didn't know, and, and yet uh, was able to get something out of the service anyhow. So, again, uh, let the Lord work in you that way and, and, and do that. Just don't take, a, uh, take God on vacation with you. Don't take a vacation from Him, all right? And so... I'm not going to give an invitation on that one. I ought to, though, shouldn't I? But uh, I'm just telling that. Now, our text is Psalms 37 and verse 1. Psalm 37, verse 1. Uh, when we're looking at fret and envy in that verse, which are a great waste in verses 1 and 2. We're just going to look at uh, fret here, though, in verse 1. Uh, Brother Woodard in our Sunday school class today it was hitting on that and did a great job with it. Well, I wish all of you could have been here for that as well. It was very good and I appreciate it so very much. Now in verse 1 here of Psalms 37 
Fret not thyself because of evil doers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Now, let's pray. Father, I pray as we look into your word tonight that thy spirit would move in a very special way. I pray that you would uh, just do the work that only you can do. Lord, I believe that this message is more of an instructive message, a warning, as we see this country already hearing some of the things that Brother Randy brought up tonight, that he has firsthand knowledge being a part of that uh, thing that, that notices these things and takes a part of that, Lord, and, and his involvement. Lord, we thank you for him, and I just pray you'd help him, Lord, to be able to lead uh, others to have victory over these sins that threaten our state and country. Now help us, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If we were to consider our country and the problems that are there, there's the gender and anything goes philosophy. Nobody knows what gender they are, uh, seems like in this other group. Morals, especially in the homes of this country, are going down the drain. We see that the strategies of education and so much more go against the very foundations of our Constitution, but especially against the foundation of the Word of God on which our Constitution was founded. And I believe that we look at education. I may say more about this next Sunday, but on education. Uh, you know, back in about 1910, a guy by the name of John Dewey uh, started a thing called critical thinking. By the 1930s, he had pretty well sold that to the colleges and universities, and critical thinking started affecting them, and then you began to see, seeing the socializing, actually socializing, of America was starting in the 1930s whether people realize that or not. And we started seeing changes. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, the morals were changing. Thing after thing was happening. And today, you see it's affecting churches. As a matter of fact, churches now are changing due to the social agenda. There are accrediting agencies for Christian schools. There are Christian accrediting agencies that now believe that we need to get away from the way that God taught us to the way of critical thinking. Now, now look, that happened in the garden. Adam, Eve, shall not eat of the tree of life. Not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I should say. The day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Okay, that is direct knowledge, truth. Memorize that. Memorize this thing. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil. Satan says, hey, you've got to learn to think critically. Really. Why does he want you to do it? Probably because you'll be like him. Critical thinking. I could, I could name up here tonight some... What I call, I call them really formally. They still call themselves fundamental, but I call them formally 
formerly, formerly fundamental. Christian colleges, universities that once taught truth and now they've developed into Calvinism, they've developed into this critical thinking theory, and, and it is a theory out of hell, by the way. And, and so it's just to tear down the truth and learn to question everything. Um, I remember back a few years ago, I was in Arizona, I was preaching out there, and I was talking about humanism. And I was telling the parents, one of the illustrations of humanism is this, your children are at school. What are some of the problems that you have in your home with your parents? And all oh, they get up and they speak up and they say, well, you know, I had this problem. What did your parents do? What should they have done? What do you think they should have done? Let's discuss that class. And before too long, the parents were wrong and the student was right. That's critical thinking. Critical thinking has tried to change the versions of the Bible. That's why in their text, they have removed it. In their critical text, what well, used to say that we have forgiveness of sins through his blood. Now, some of them have kept it in their English through his blood because they knew what they would lose if they did, that we have forgiveness of sin. But in Colossians 1.14, they, they removed through his blood. But yet, the lie of critical thinking is we have not removed anything that was important. So it's through his blood that we get the forgiveness of sins. Is that important? Yeah. How about Matthew 18, 11? The Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Critical thinking says that should not be in there. Was that important that the Son of Man came to save that which was lost? I, I mean, let's, let's really identify critical thinking for what it is. Straight out of hell. Exactly straight out of hell. And that's what it is. Uh, we look at our entertainment. We look at the cold-blooded murder that goes on day after day. They call it abortion. But it's cold-blooded murder. It goes on day after day after day. As a matter of fact, I was just reading this weekend about Facebook has taken the pro-life, some pro-life group off Facebook because they're pro-life. Just kind of give you an idea of what goes on out there. So we have in this country, we have entertainment. Our education system is immersed in the critical thinking theory that is very much inherent of and reflective of the depravity of this country. And I want you to know that if we don't center on truth, we lose it all. Don't forget, the people that study about counterfeit, you've heard the illustration. They study the real, what the real thing's supposed to be like, not what all the counterfeits are, but critical thinking saying, no, study what counterfeits look like. You don't have to know exactly what it looks like. Yeah, you'll be getting all kind of uh, counterfeit money then in your pocket as well and not know it until you try to spend it. 
So understand, truth is the best policy always. I can't understand how any college that is a so-called Christian college could call itself a Christian college and, and exalt critical thinking over the Word of God. Critical thinking over truth. Listen, truth is absolute. It's critical thinking that has brought on these glorified versions of rock and roll concerts and nightclub atmosphere in local churches. It is that which has caused church after church after church to turn to the way of the world. Some of those churches supported missions. I believe it was if Dr. Lee Robertson could come back, he would come back and go after a group, a large of groups of them. Tennessee Temple College, thousands of missionaries around the world, throughout America, preachers. That church was supporting. I think it was somewhere between 500 and 1,000 missionaries. That church doesn't exist anymore because they thought critical of that way and they went into the contemporary. They lost a college, they lost a church, and that's a blessing because it was leading many to hell. When people who have identified themselves as Christians, although they may not be as our stripe, and they fall into immorality, it will be the one time your local medias and so forth will advertise the absolute truth of their immorality. It's about the only time you can trust what they're reporting, but they will report of that. But what they do is they kind of bend the report. For example, if it's a fundamental Baptist pastor that falls into immorality, well, that's understandable. What they teach and what they preach over there, it's a wonder that that's not an entire church full. They ought to investigate, see if the entire church is that way. See, that's, that's critical thinking. And... Believe me, we've got to always test here at OCA to make sure new teachers coming in have not been duped, have not been so immersed in that, that their critical thinking people that's going to lead this institution and the ones they get to work with to the way of the world. Critical thinking does that. Now, There's little wonder we see so much fret and worry dominating Christians who are still jealous for the glory and the holiness of God. Some of the things that uh, Brother uh, Randy brought up, no, all the things you brought up tonight are things that we should be jealous for God on that behalf, for His holiness, for His glory. 
Some people can affect us in a way that brings fret and worry. Fret not thyself because of evildoers there in verse 1. They're the ones that are pointed out. You know that word fret means to burn, to be, to, to glow, to be kindled, to be kindled with anger. It's the idea of, of uh, you know, the red face. Okay, the blood pressure is sky high. They're angry. Somebody pushed the buttons. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Don't let it burn within you. Don't let that anger grow. It can be ignited, but can also be put out. It is also the idea of the friction, that word fret, of rubbing together, as rubbing together uh, a couple of rocks or something, and it causes a flame. It can be rubbing that you're rubbing with your hands and it brings up a blister. It brings up a, a sore, a running sore. And you get a salve and you get a bandage to try to cover it. You try to do something of some kind to treat it and to cover the sore. It's like the soothing salve. We don't want people to see the boil. We don't want them to see the bleeding sore. Not even the scab that's left. It does particularly bother us that evildoers are out there And we let the evil cause it. Now, the Bible does say, be ye angry and sin not. But be more angry at sin itself, not on personal attack or personal disagreement. Look at the problem. There are people out there, they want to change Society. They want to change the church. They want to change the structure of the home. And on you could go. But you don't have to fret to fight the battle. The Psalms have in them what we call imprecatory Psalms. As you read through the Psalms, you'll see several of those Psalms. And when people who were burned, they were rubbed the wrong way, they were under attack, whether it's false accusation or anything else of that nature. Instead of vengeance, they realized vengeance belongeth unto the Lord, and they took it to the Lord in prayer. And yet, many times they asked the Lord to judge that enemy, to judge that. It is not wrong to ask the Lord to judge if it means removing some people from office, 
that would bring up some things just as was said tonight. It's not wrong to ask the Lord to do what is necessary for this thing to be stopped. Look, I've had people talk about a, a wayward husband, a wayward child, a wayward wife, and I've, I've given this instruction. I said, pray and ask God to do what is necessary in their life to bring them to repentance. But I have added, but ask the Lord not to kill them, not to maim anybody to do it, but do what needs to be done to bring them to their knees. And I think it's a wise way to pray. Look, you got trouble in your marriage, you got trouble in the home, boy, that can burn. I mean, that can, that can be a fire. That could be something else. Listen, pray. Bring it to the Lord in prayer. I, of course, grew up in a pastor's home. One of the things I learned, when you bring these things to the Lord in prayer, God doesn't do things in your timing. Ours is to be faith and trust and let him do it in his timing. Amen. He will. He will. I watched my dad. Uh, he pastored three churches. And I will tell you, <laughs> I've seen problems in all three of them. You can't preach the word as it is to men as they are and not be opposed by Satan. He will attack. He will do anything he can, and he will try to use Christians, just like with Adam and Eve, deceive them to where they're part of the rebellion and not even realize they're being part of a rebellion. They think they're doing a good thing by taking a stand against the Bible-preaching, Bible-standing church that stands on the Word of God. So I don't know what the problem may be. But I did realize that in my dad's ministry that oftentimes God would correct the problem. But God did it his way in his timing. Many times he removed those problems. Some of those problems the Lord took out of the world. Some of you are familiar with some of the things Brother Greg Neal went through several years back. And we were talking sometime later, long after that settled, and with tears in his eyes, he says, I think of quite a few of those people that were telling these things that were opposing us, and God took them home. And it's almost like he's saying, who am I that God would take somebody home? And the answer is, well, it's not you. It's God's work. It's God's work. See, God works in various ways. 
God has his strange work. Isaiah chapter 28 verse 21 says, For the Lord shall rise up as in Mount Perizim and shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. We know one thing about the last days, that there's going to be a falling away. The churches are going these other way. And we're seeing that, by the way. We're seeing churches going away from the fundamentals of the faith, the fundamentals of sound doctrine, and going other directions. That's why you see rock and roll churches. That's why you see people very critical, highly critical of standards. That's why you see churches now that are, there's a host of them in this city right now that are not in church tonight, not even meeting. And folks, that's just an idea of what's going on. But understand this, when God's hand, his strange work begins, it won't begin like we think of, boy, look at how sinful this country is. Gambling, abortion, the LGBTQ, and the whole ball of wax of all the most evil, ungodly things that you can think of, the sex trafficking, the drugs. Judgment begins at the house of God. You're expecting judgment on them? Judgment begins at the house of God. Yes, his strange act. Man doesn't know the way or how God does his strange acts. It only is that we know and believe that when he does it, he does it right. <laughs> you know what man, man has been trying to do? It's, it's really, if you go back in, even to the Old Testament era, <laughs> they're trying to teach us of how the worlds came into being. You think evolution's a new thing? <laughs> the devil invented that years ago. I mean, thousands of years ago. He, he, he invented that, and he's tried to use it in different ways throughout each generation. Now, how did God create? Well, I know he spoke the worlds into existence. Be quite frank with you, though, I don't truly understand how I can speak, and, and the body has all these cells, all these other things, and the different things about it, and it's formed. He forms the first man out of the dust of the earth, takes a bone out of his ribs informs Eve a second life I've often thought maybe because we find out that Eve was deceived but not Adam Adam sinned knowingly <laughs> maybe he didn't want to lose another rib I don't know but nonetheless just think of that how did God do that? How, how could he take a rib and form a human body, lungs, everything, breathing and doing all of that? How can he do that? 
men could attempt that and they wouldn't do it overnight like God did and they would never accomplish it. But they want you to believe evolution, not creation. Why? Because if you cannot believe those first words in the Bible, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Or in the New Testament, don't think the New Testament is different from the Old Testament. Oh, it's there too. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That is the absolute truth. It's only critical thinking that says no. Now you just got to decide which side you're on. But oh, critical thinking seems so intelligent. To who? You see, God created it all. But again, what he does is in his timing. I used to hear preachers stand up and say, and I really thought that at first, but after a while, after you've been sitting in church for over 50 years, you wonder, uh-huh. God's got to come back in the next 10 years, this happening, that's happening. One preacher used to say, if God doesn't judge America, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. Really? You're going to tell God his morals? What is wrong with you? God will never have to apologize for anything. That very statement says, I don't believe God is absolutely holy by saying God would have to apologize. They don't understand there is a difference between mercy and grace. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 5, when it tells, and by the way, is, isn't 1 Corinthians addressed to Christians? 1 Corinthians 4, 5 is actually the judgment seat of Christ. It's not the white throne judgment. White throne judgment, the books are open and everything's exposed. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, the sin's been paid for, yes, but God will make known the dark things, the hidden things of darkness, and the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. Now you think about that. The people in hell are not going to praise God that everything got revealed. So why are Christians in heaven going to be just really rejoicing? Why will they be praising God? Because they'll see the great grace of God that they deserve to go to hell, that we deserve to go to hell, but His grace saved us. His grace because He gave us the opportunity through repentance and faith. Isn't it wonderful that He created us in His image? God is the Spirit. So we have a Spirit. You know, I always say one of the things about Calvinism, 
is that you've got to call God a liar to be a Calvinist because you believe that he elected some to go to hell and some to go to heaven. And if you believe that, then those people weren't created in the Spirit. They didn't have a choice. You didn't even have a choice to be saved. If you are saved, you didn't even have a choice. God created you that way so you'd be saved. Matter of fact, a true Calvinism, they really go by it, teaches that regeneration actually comes before salvation. Huh? That's like the baby's born before it's ever formed. Really? It's that ignorant. But because you add $50 words to it, it sounds, oh, that's intelligent. Uh, no, it's not. So, God works in his time. It may not be the way we want, but his way will always, always, always be right. All things work together for good to those that love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. He is doing it for us. Fetching then shows our lack of trust for the Lord. And, and, and the thought, well, he's not doing it the way we think that he should. He's not doing it at the time that he ought to get it done. Ah, that's what Job thought. And finally, he realized he abhorred himself. You'd say, most men would think everything that Job went through, lost his kids. Every one of his kids in a day lost everything he owned in a day. Everything he had in a day, the only thing God let him keep was his wife who kept saying, why don't you curse God and die? That's wonderful, isn't it? But, you see, Job was not only able to praise God, he was able to pray for those miserable comforters for God to heal them, and God did. Israel had problems in the wilderness. And then later they entered to the land, and more of the same. But it seems like God kept on reminding them of how he did it in the past. He did it in the past. He did it in the past. He will do it again. And so many times, God delivered them in the very nick of time. When things seem the worst. When man does his worst, and the hardest that he can do against them. See, a lot of people, even that claim to be Christians, don't know they're being used of the devil. They just don't know. Satan has influenced. But ours is to not fret, not to burn, not to stew, rather to just simply trust God and just keep on keeping on, doing what he says to do. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the uh, throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I remember hearing the late Warren Wiersbe speak in a chapel at a school I just mentioned, Tennessee Temple, back, back in the 60s. And I remember he read that verse, 
And he said something, I guess it's just stuck with me. May obtain uh, mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He went into a Greek. Now, I don't remember the Greek, okay? But he went to a Greek study of it right there in the pulpit. He says, find grace to help. Find to help in the time of need. He said, even at the last possible moment is the idea of in time of need. So you just trust him all the way. That's why, you know, I've seen people on their deathbed that left this life, and I was mentioning my mother. I, uh, that's the one death I can remember where a peace just flooded the room. You just trust him to the end. Trust him to the end. I remember how the Lord has done things over the years. If you'll do things according to the Word of God, I remember it in my dad's ministry. I've seen it in the ministry that God has allowed me to do. And you know what? When you stick to the Word instead of critical thinking, when you go by the Word of God instead of modern religious philosophy in, in conservative schools, which is their psychology drawn from the world's psychology with scriptures added to it in so many ways, I have found over and over and over again that if I stick by it, I'll get criticized, I'll get falsely accused. But the number one thing I hear, he uses the Bible to defend himself. And they have no idea that I rejoice in that. If the Bible, if I'm standing on the Word of God and it defends me, I am for it. I don't even know that it defends me. But it does. Look, it's sort of the Lord. I got to, so I wear that just about everywhere I go. I've had people come up to me and say, Hi, Father. Uh, they think it's a cross. You know, I want to say, bless thee, my child. Give me $100 and, uh, you know, say, hell, Andy, three times. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd rather have that, you know. And, and it, it's crazy. It's crazy. But, you see, man has taught philosophies and doctrines that are not true to the Word of God. You stick with the Word. And the word will always, 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 no matter what, will always be right now. Let me just kind of finish up here with these verses. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, uh, it's what we need to understand. That though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. You see, it's highly important to keep that principle of the word, that doctrine of the word, in mind. We must walk according to the Word of God, not in carnal ways, but by the power of God. You see, He's the captain of our faith. As Christians, we're not pacifists. We're soldiers of the cross. We're soldiers of the King of Kings. But our orders come 
straight from him and they're written in his word. Know the word of God and you won't be deceived by Satan saying if you'll just eat of this you'll be like God. No. Follow God's word. Had Adam and Eve followed God's word people after him wouldn't have been born with the sin nature. They followed the word of Satan and mankind fell into the great need of a Savior. He goes on to say in verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Look, some use academics. Some use culture. Some use peer pressure. But none of that matches the power of God. Don't use the carnal to accomplish the work of God. So, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If you want to have the knowledge of God, then be in the Word of God. We read Timothy. He's told to give attendance to reading. Why, why, why are you telling a preacher Paul to be in, uh, give attendance to reading? Well, the Holy Spirit told him to write those words down. Uh, wait a minute. The Holy Spirit called Timothy to be a preacher, and he tells him to give attendance to reading. Why? You and I have, you can have 10 Bibles at your house. Uh, they usually had to go to a synagogue or somewhere else just to hear the reading. They weren't plenteous. But he didn't just say to the reading of God's Word, but to exhortation. Now, Hebrews 20, 10, 24, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is. Uh, that's not a Baptist uh, preacher or some kind, somebody down the road that came up with that. No, that's the Holy Spirit. That was God Himself not forsaking the idea of not forsaking is there, not there, there, not there, there, not there. So I go regularly. I'm there every other week. <laughs> no. Not forsaking. The assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is. And you see, we go by the Word of God, and God tells us how to do it. And we do God's will, God's way, it will always happen in God's timing and it will be right. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You've got to have a personal devotional time, you've got to have a time in God's Word daily and think on it. Read the Word and think, how would I try to teach what I just read today to someone? How would I try to teach that to someone? You'd be surprised that sometimes God will open a door that way. 
God had already warned the children of Israel, and he's warned us as well. There are evil people. There are evildoers. Satan was the evildoer that was able to capture the attention of Eve. And then Adam followed suit. Evildoers will abound. Instead of stewing, put on the full armor of God, the whole armor of God, and fight the battle. Stand true. Stand true. You know, usually a lot of times, I mean, we're Baptists, so a lot of times you go through a sermon and you say, okay, now, uh, if you're going to do this, then you need to come forward. If you're going to do that, you need to come forward. No, no I'm not going to say that tonight. I'm going to just say this. We stand on the Word of God. But there's that that makes you fret. There's that that makes you worry. It just makes you burn. And it is wrong stuff that's making you burn. It's, it's, it's sin. But let's fight the devil with the Word of God. Amen. Let's fight evil with God's Word. And let's not back down for our stand, regardless of the cost. Stand and keep on standing. I find it interesting in closing. I was scheduled to preach a sermon last, last week. It was in your bulletin, as a matter of fact. And just things happened Sunday, so I changed it up for this week. I didn't know what Randy was going to say tonight. But maybe God put the sermon off a week to back up what was said tonight. I, I tell you what, if what Randy said tonight doesn't make you boil or stew, it might be because you planned to fight it the way God said to fight it. But just to sit around and stew and boil and get mad about it and do nothing about it, that's carnal. Why stew when we can get up and in the power of God do God's will, God's way, and trust His timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. Let's bow our heads, please.